Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. With producer Sanaa Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Breaking news out of over thousands of applicants, the Verbally Effective podcast has been selected to showcase at the 2020 South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. Ina Esco will be interviewing Taylor to the Stars and Memphis native Rich Fresh on the big stage. Hi, it is Carlissa Shaw and I am hanging out with Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective podcast. Yo, what's up? This is Chase, a.k.a. Mr. International, a.k.a. Mr. Passport Don Dada. I'm here hanging out with the lovely Miss Ina Esco at Verbally Effective. I'm Milton Memphis, and I'm verbally effective because I'm one of the many change agents in Memphis that's currently changing the way people talk and think about Memphis. Milton Howery III, known by many as Milton Memphis, has spent the last 13 years working in the entertainment and tourism industry. He's currently the Director of Public Relations Manager for Memphis Tourism, responsible for generating media exposure for Memphis nationally and internationally. Milton is also the Diversity and Inclusion Chair for Public Relations Society of America, PRSA, Memphis Chapter, and he is the incoming 2020 Vice President of PRSA Memphis and President-Elect for 2021. He also serves on the Executive Committee for Public Relations Society of America for the Travel and Tourism Section. Milton started his career in 2005 working for Bot Radio Network and later hired by Intercom Communications Corporation as their morning show producer for the Mike and Mandy Morning Show on WRVR The River 104.5 FM and hosted a weekly show on U92 FM The Jazz Lover. In 2011, Milton graduated from two separate colleges on the same weekend earning a Bachelor of Communications from the University of Memphis and an associate's degree in computer engineering from Southwest Tennessee Community College. That same year, Black Entertainment Television named him their top marketing representative intern and then was hired by Memphis Cook Convention Center being promoted three times during his stint at the convention center from event assistant to event coordinator to sales manager. In 2015, Milton left the convention center after being recruited by Bass Pro Shops at the Pyramid, one of America's largest outdoor and sporting goods retail corporations, becoming their promotions manager and public spokesperson. During his tenure at Bass Pro Shops at the Pyramid, they received over 4 million visitors, boosting tourism in Memphis. Milton is also the founder of Milton Memphis Entertainment, MME, a business that is now focused on connecting people from music-related events to the extremely popular networking event, The Link Up Memphis. He was also named one of the top 40 under 40 professionals by the Memphis Business Journal in 2019. 
Verbally Effective, your double E, Ina Esco, in the building. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Verbally Effective podcast today. I have with me one of my good friends who I've been trying to get on the pod for so long, and he's finally here. I'm talking about Milton Howery III, a.k.a. Milton Memphis. What's up, Milton? Thank you for having me. Nothing much, nothing much. I'm glad to finally make it, you know. Yes, you are in the building for 2019. How was your day today? Because you look absolutely wonderful in your nice blazer. You know, you're looking sharp. What happened today? Well, you know, I had to I had to do it up for the city today. Um, yes. So uh, I'm the director of public relations for Memphis Tourism. And today uh, we announced the new name um, for the Memphis Convention Center. Wow. Uh, yes, Wait, so why did it need a new name? Good question. You know, so <laughs> good question. So it's one of those things that, you know, that's becoming a trend in the tourism convention space um, where you have names of particular buildings. But it's it's typically a, a normal thing to do. We think of like the FedEx Forum has, right. uh, has a name to it. Mm-hmm. And so why not do that same thing with the convention center? So we're renovating the convention center and we're trying to rebrand that building as it will be completely transformed. It has one more year of renovations to go through. And I did a tour actually a week or two ago, mm-hmm. and it looks amazing. So if you've been in that building mm-hmm. uh, any time, it will be completely transformed by the end of 2020. Yeah. Um, so we have to give it a new name to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, mm-hmm. mark the 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 put a, a mark in a calendar for what's coming in the future for Memphis. Okay, so what's the new name? Uh, Renaissance Convention Center. Uh-huh. Oh, so you, la la. you like it? I, I like it because, like, you know, I'm familiar with Renaissance Bank, so I'm thinking they dropped that cheese off for that name. So, you know, they did. <laughs> <laughs> I already know. You know, you know, but, you know, so we, we, you know, they, we are very excited about the partnership uh, with them um, take, joining Memphis Tourism and, and becoming a part of the Memphis community. Um, so we're really excited about them having a presence at the convention center uh, and what that's going to help us do in the future. Wow. And, you know, you're talking about Memphis tourism, uh, public relations. You know, those are some hats that I know on that I know about you very recently. But when I first met you, we're going to take it back a few (laughs) years. You were an intern with BET. Yes. Network. Yes. So that was, ooh, that was 2010. That was almost 10 years ago. That was a um, long time ago. That was 2010. Ago. We met. Um, and I was uh, the marketing intern for BET. So I literally had, had did some stints in radio and had applied randomly. Like I saw it on their website and some advertising. I was like, let me apply to this. I don't know if I exactly qualify or not. But, you know, they called me back. I was in the middle of class in summer school. Oh, my. <laughs> and so the phone rang. And I'm like... Um, Milton, you know, and they're like, this is uh, the BET off-channel marketing department. Uh, we selected you to be our intern. You know, are you interested? And I was like, let me class let me <laughs> let me get out of class so i go into the hallway you know me being broke you know i'm like are y'all flying me out like well, how we getting out of <laughs> the bt exactly i'm like, like that's that's my only question you fly me a hotel and they were like 
duh. It was kind of like, like they, together. Yeah, it was, was, they were kind of like, why Why are you questioning our abilities? Like, yes, we're obviously oh, going to fly you out. So they flew me out for training for a week and a half and then flew me back to Memphis. So I, actually, while I was there, I got to meet Deborah Lee. I got to meet the marketing team. I got to meet the legal team. I got to meet so many different um, in so many different organizations and entities up under BET to learn about what they do. And they kind of taught us what their goals are. And so yeah, they picked black students from um, 30 universities uh, across the country to basically go into markets. And what they wanted to do was have a, a kind of a grassroots uh, movement of promoting their shows. So at that time, mm-hmm. you had the Monique show that was mm-hmm. out. You had um, Terry Crews show that was mm-hmm. out at that time period. 106 and Park was still on oh, then. And so they, and so every time one of those shows uh, premiered for the new season, they would get with us. Each week we had a, something new that we was promoting. So I got sent a series of promotional items and was teaming up with, I did an event with the, with the Grizzlies, did an event at the University of Memphis. I was teaming up with different existing events and creating events as well mm-hmm. to basically promote their brand and then bring media exposure. And that's kind of how I got into writing and PR and journalism at that point too. Uh, but then, yeah. you know, the internship was a year. And not only did I come in there and, like, <laughs> toot my horn for a minute. You said I could do that so on the show. Did, so uh, but, uh, but, no, I was the 2010-2011, their top marketing intern Ooh, um, for, for that year. And they flew me out to... Um, as a treat, they flew you out, but they actually, you were, it was a work trip <laughs> that okay. none of the other oh, interns got to take. So as a top marketing rep, yep. I basically got to fly out and work the BET Awards in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually was the guy that, like the day before is the radio remote. And you're pretty sure you're familiar with the radio remote that happens the day before the show. And like everybody's coming out to go through that radio lineup to promote the BET Awards. Mm-hmm. So like when celebrities were coming in, I was that little guy at the desk that, mm-hmm. you know, the celebrity and their manager, I guess, would like have to like, Direct you were directing to the other PR he was people. Directing the I was directing them, so it wasn't a you know it wasn't a big job, but I got to see some of my big stars at that time. Oh, uh, you know, I saw uh, so many different people. I think Jeremiah. I saw yeah. Jeremiah was the only one that kind of hot baby. Exactly, exactly. He was freshly hot. Exactly. He came. He he was nice. You know, mm-hmm. he he was nice. You know, he could have been a little bit nicer, but he mm. was nice. I got a couple photo ops with him and some others. Master P and his whole family. They I were all him. nice and uh. But no, it was a really good experience. So I got to fly out, and that was actually 10 years ago that was my first time in LA so it was like and you know it was an amazing experience then that same weekend I had another friend that worked in PR in LA and she took me out to uh, a party uh, in LA that night and she's like you know my friends is I got a friend who's like friends with P. Diddy and they're like there's this party that somebody that knows him that's having and it's at this restaurant can you go but you gotta be chilled and I'm like Um, okay, what I need to wear, you know, so, you know, she picked me up and, uh, and we get there. Me and her are the only... What's the non-factors in the room? Non-factors. <laughs> so I don't know exactly what I. Re- only thing I remember is she. Was she said it was somebody who was related to or was connected to PDD's management team. That's mm. all that I knew. And so um, when I get there, there's like. Um, Housewives is filming in the corner. Uh, So you got Nene Leakes. She's over there with the cameras. Lala and uh, Camilla Anthony was at one table. Busta Rhymes was at one table. Um, And then uh, I'm at the bar ordering drinks or whatever. And then Miguel is like next to me, like ordering Mm. drinks. And he's like, what's up? I'm like, hey, Miguel. You know, I'm just trying to trying to be cool. (laughs) You know, Um, you know, it was literally everybody and their mama was there. So, you know, that was my introduction to L.A. And I, you know, and I've been a, a fan of L.A. ever since. 
sense. And, like, and you've been going back and forth ever since. Exactly. And I, and I remember when you were posting the pictures from the BET Awards, I said, dang, Milton is on, on. <laughs> but let's talk about before that internship mm-hmm. with BET. Let's talk about, let's go back even further. What part of Memphis are you from, Milton? Where, what does it seem like I'm from? <laughs> Look, every time somebody asks me that, I get it wrong. Are you from North Memphis? No, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm Come wrong. on now, North Memphis. Okay, no, I'm, I'm from the, the I'm from the BAZ. BAZ, the Black B-A-Z. Haven Zone. Black, Black Haven Zone. Black Haven. Most of them be from White Haven. The Black Haven Zone, White Haven. You know, yeah. better known as White Haven. You know, I should have said that. I, yeah. I just had a North Memphis street going. Yeah. I just knew North Memphis. Yeah, North Memphis is cool. Nothing yeah, is North Memphis. B-A-Z. You know, but you know, but you know, we, you know, I, you know, White Haven. You know, we are our own little city within the city. Yeah. You know, you know, some fifty thousand plus people that live over there. You know, mm-hmm. one of the largest African-American middle class communities in the city. You know, okay. just throwing some facts out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, my parents still live over there. Shout out to Are them. They? Yeah, my parents still wow. live over there off of, uh, I'm not going to give their main road, but they're on Hester in that community over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, went to Whitehaven High School, uh, Havenview Middle School, Whitehaven Elementary, and then uh, I've been, I've been, I've never lived outside of Memphis. Really? So I lived here my entire life and went to University of Memphis. So I've never lived outside of 901. Wow. So growing up in Whitehaven, like, you know, you attending school, what? kind of activities were you involved in? So look, again, I was <laughs> a non-factor. <laughs> I don't believe it. You know, I was, you know, exactly, I was. So, you know, at that time period, I um, was, you know, I mean, truthful and honest, I was a kid that was often teased for his sexuality. Mm. I was a kid who, um, you know, at the time, I didn't even know what my sexuality was. I didn't know that I was a gay man at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't even know what, I mean, I was being called gay. I didn't know. But kid, <laughs> kids are cruel. Uh, kids are cruel. So mm-hmm. at that time, you know, I would, only thing I knew is that I did not want to be broke. Okay. Uh, and so at that time period, I basically... Um, was working at Backyard Burgers at 16 years old. But even before that, my dad had a cleaning business. So I've been working since I was like eight. So this whole, this whole you know, work-life stuff that I do now in my 30s is easy because I've been working since I was eight doing some hard-label cleaning toilets and all that good stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So when I got 16, I was working at Backyard Burgers. And I was working like, I wasn't working like 15 hours a week. 16, I was working like 35, 40, 40 hours a week. How were you doing that? So it was illegal. Too? It was, in, I'm like, it was the, it, it was, you know what, it was the one in South Haven, Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Backyard burgers. But they needed but you. They needed me and I needed that money. But okay. I, I appreciated that. So, you know, going back to your question, like, so in school, now my twin sister, I have a twin sister. I was about to ask you, do you have any siblings? Yes, I have a twin sister. I did not know you had a twin I have a twin Milton. sister and she just, well, I didn't just have twins. She had twins a year ago. Wow. They're, they are, Haley and Henry are now Haley like one you. years old in some months. Oh, I know uh, you love them babies. So I do. I'm actually babysitting for them this weekend for oh, my Lord. brother-in-law has a birthday, so I I, I'm I'm trying to be a good uncle. You have to be present in the kids' lives yes, you if you do. if you want them to take care of you when you're old. That is so. very true. <laughs> good luck. So, you, so you got to be present. So mm-hmm. you know. So my twin sister was the she was the captain of the Pump Pump Squad. She was a track star, Outgoing. and so I was known then as Melanie's brother. Oh, uh, and okay. so now I when you. I run to people in the city, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, there's Melanie's, which is Milton's sister. Oh, <laughs> Melanie, you hear that girl? The roles have reversed. <laughs> the roles have reversed. So, you know, okay. but no, but I say that high school period, you know, being teased and talked about 
it was it was it was needed. I don't know who I would be without those kids that mm-hmm. talked about me. Now some of them now want to come to my events and stuff and, and want to you know. Milton, I always event. supported you. I was always there. I'm like. You wasn't, but it's okay. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good, you know, because we all were kids and we go through things and we grow. But, you know, little they know what they didn't, what they thought they were doing was just all in fun and being and was being hurtful. And what they probably didn't know it at the time, but it was really hurtful. But um, it made me the man I am today. You know, Indeed. so going through those things then made the future that much better. Definitely. So I don't know if I, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for the kids that teased me. So, no, I mm-hmm. was not the man on the school grounds. At Whitehaven High School, but uh, you know, I love the man I've become. Were you a good student? No, no. <laughs> so Milton. I was, you know, you were just worried about that. Check, I was worried about that check, check. And, and and survival. And backyard burger, and backyard burger. That's what it was. Okay. I would sleep every six period, and she was like, "Milton, are we going? Are we going? Um, oh are, are, like, are, we, are you going to pay attention?" I'm like, "Look, I got to go to work." <laughs> At four, and then I can get off to 10. This is like the point where I sleep. I so, guess. you know, I need to, you know, and so, but no, but you know, I had, I did enough to graduate. So, right. you know, it was, you know, so I did enough to graduate. I did enough to make sure that I had good enough grades to get into a college. Now, I had to, you know, I did, couldn't, didn't have no scholarships or nothing, but I but did, did I made, I did what I had to do to make sure that I had options once I graduated. So, you know, okay. and that was my parenting. They, they, you know, my dad used to come home from, uh, and sometimes I talk too fast. Let me know if I need to slow it down. No, you're good. Uh, but, you know, my, I used to come home from work at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night sometimes. Sometimes midnight. And then my dad would be standing at the door. It's like, I told you, you need to be home at a certain time. You are 16, 17 years old. I know you're working. And so me and him were getting this confrontation. I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a man. I'm working, taking care of myself, you know. And I didn't need for nothing. Like, my dad, you know, had worked two jobs my entire life and has provided a nice middle-class life for my family. So I can never say that I was needing for anything, but he taught me to work for your own. And mm-hmm. so that's what I was trying to do at that, at that time. Mm-hmm. And so my mom reached out. You know, my mom was stepping those arguments mm-hmm. in the early 2003 and 2004. And she'd be like, look, mm-hmm. he could be in the streets in the gang. He could be, you know, mm-hmm. out here doing drugs. He's coming home because we know where he's at. He's working. He's making his own money. And I had saved my own money and bought my own car at 16. Mm. So, you know, I had saved that backyard burgers. I saved every check for the first six months and saved $3,000. Look, uh, I don't know too many 16-year-olds yeah. that were doing and, it. And bought me a 1994 <laughs> Toyota Camry. Oh. And you know it. It. I love that car. To this day, I still haven't had a car wow. that my Benz now doesn't even outperform that car. Oh, like that 1994, I still think it would be trucking had I not ripped. Had I not had an accident, and that was my fault in like 2000, like I don't know five or six. <laughs> but you know what? You mentioned you mentioned like that. You and your dad would have confrontations. I, I've always heard that boys and their fathers always come to a head at a certain point like when when the when the boys are thinking they're a man or becoming a man this is true so you you and your daddy had to have it out yeah we did we did we had to you know and he as we and as i progressed and got older and even as i transitioned into my career and the points where i was making you know you know on one job, you know, more than what he was making that was taking him two, you know. Mm-hmm. So as I progressed in my career and he saw that, man, at this age, I wasn't even making it. I wasn't doing that. You know, I think it was, uh, he was proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it also was like he likes to do little things to kind of state that I'm still, I'm still dad. Right. You know, so you when know. I go over to the house, it's like, 
can you take out the trash? Like, I don't live here, you know. <laughs> you got <laughs> You know, it's like, you, can you can I walk through the door? Can you take out the trash? It's like, I just walked through the door. You know, you it's do like, it you know. But, you know, I look at him and he have a little smart grin on his face to see if he still got it. Yeah. You got you <laughs> you it, Dad. You know, I'm, I'm going to take out this trash because yeah. it's the least I can do, you know. But, you know, my dad has been there for me um, through every situation in life, you know. Even when I wrecked that car, I got out to the Toyota Camry. <laughs> you know, he, you know. He came through. Uh, so, you know, it. Uh, I have to say, Milton Howery Jr., that's his name, my dad. Uh, oh, you guys you know, are real close yeah. still to this day. Yeah, we're, we're, he's a good father. We're still close. Yeah. So, how was it when you came out to your parents? <laughs> how did they go? <laughs> so, uh, so that, that wasn't, um, that wasn't, it wasn't bad and it wasn't good <laughs> <laughs> it so, happened it was a conversation so, so no so you know i actually so what what i got what i like to tell people is when it comes to being for some of us anyway i'm speak for myself when it comes to being a gay black man um you know there's this whole sense of of you know that you've got to that's why I work so hard because I never like I'm like I realized I was black and then I potentially was gay <laughs> mm-hmm. I am gay um, but you know so I was like I've got I can't be no broke black man I've got to to prove my manhood to prove my status in the community to 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 prove I've got to do, go above and beyond and, and perform whatever job I'm doing and whatever task you know and I don't exactly think that way anymore because I don't I'm not in that same situation the world has changed and people are embracing sexuality um, but for the late 90s early 2000s it was a very different experience um, and so you know for my dad is a He's 62 years old, and, you know, he comes from a time period where that's just something that is just kind of foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I when I moved in with my um, my boyfriend in, I don't know, uh, six or seven years ago, in my late 20s, 33 now, and so in my late 20s, it was finally when I literally had to come to a point to where I had to make a choice of what my future would be. And sadly, it uh, not sadly, but it wasn't women. Right. <laughs> and so I had to come to, because to, it really, I really was just not involved in dating period for a time in my 20s. I would just focus on career. Mm-hmm. And so I figured that I'll figure that part out later. And, figure you know, so if you finally figure it out, you're like, okay, I can't. Let me be my truth and let me live my truth. And what is that? And so I made the decision to get into a relationship. And that is when, you know, when you move in with someone, that is when your parents are like, who are you living with? You know, how many bedrooms y'all got? Uh, You know, me me lying. I said we had two. We had one. Why can't I never come over? You know. Oh, you were lying at first. And so, you know, so then, you know, I did little sort of things like inviting my boyfriend to to my birthday dinner with my parents, you know, Mm -hmm. and. You know, kind of, uh, work you know, in, work them in. And, and so, you know, and then my dad still didn't catch the clues at that time. But your uh, mama knew. My mama knew. She knew. Yeah. My mama knew. She, I, you know, I told them in stages. So I told my older sister first. I got an older sister. Oh. Uh, I told her first. My twin can't hold water, so I couldn't tell her. <laughs> uh, although she knew, yeah. but I couldn't give her that paper proof. Right. Right. <laughs> I couldn't give her that verbal proof, right. you know, uh, you know, until I was, you know, and I always tell people when it comes to being gay, there's that whole segment was there's a part of it where you for some of us, it's a shock to ourselves. So for me, I had to let go of the idea because I also had that I wanted a wife. I wanted kids and I wanted that white picket fence. And yeah. I wanted, you know, I wanted that vision that America teaches men and women to have when it comes right. to what you are to grow up to be. So when you have that understanding that you are gay, and this is why I think so many people have trouble with it, is because you you not only 
are having to deal with outsiders in the world having an opinion on your life, but you're having to deal with your own opinions on your own life. Mm -hmm. And so to deal with your own opinions on your own life, if you don't if you don't know how to support yourself or love yourself for who you are, it's hard to tell the world who you are. Definitely. And so that is something that I think a lot of people struggle with when it comes to talking about their sexuality. And so it's a process. So for some people it's like, oh I was sixteen mm -hmm. uh, and I knew and I was I was I was okay to tell the world. I and mean, some of us is twenty five or twenty four like me. And so for some people in their thirties they still haven't reached that point or for you know, everybody's story is different. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, so I like to tell people when when it comes to your sexuality, everybody experiences different. And you have to understand that for some of us, for some of them like me, it comes as a shock. So, you know, it was like, oh, wow. So first I had to let go of the dream. <laughs> let it go. And then build a new one. Yeah. And then and figure out what that looks like and what it can be. And then I was able to, once I was able to, to, to build my own confidence and build my own understanding, and then I was able to share that with others. Because if you mm -hmm. start letting people into your life choices and your things without you even knowing what you're doing, you're just gonna be running around ragged. So you, right. I think you know, I took the time to understand. To, to I didn't, I kept to myself, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, and I shared what I wanted to share. You know, so like right now, I'm like very, very like just you know, tell. I'm, I'm always an open book. Yeah. But anybody that really wanted to read, they could have read me, but. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but why know. did it feel so freeing when you finally came out and you said you had to come to the realization of your truth? And when yeah. you did that and came out, did you feel free? So, you know, everybody, a lot of people say that. I hear a lot of a lot of my LBGQ friends, like a lot of them do say that. I don't, for me, it really, I, I nothing really changed for me a lot. Um but for me, what I realized, what what happened in my silence and not being outspoken, it allowed other people that were close to me to think that it is okay that I was. They made it think that I was not okay with who I was, mm -hmm. and so it made them think that they should not be okay with who I am. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so I realized in my silence that I was missing opportunity to educate people mm -hmm. on certain things when it comes to my lifestyle and to educate them on who I really am. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I was given a misconception about to them about who they thought that I was. So, you know, wow. so I feel like with that silence, there was, you know, I had opportunities because what happened is if you're not, if you are not, you know, you know, out with your sexuality when it comes to that space when you're with your coworkers or your friends or your family members. And those little comments that come up that are negative, mm -hmm. you usually, hmm, they just said they don't like gay people. Let me sit over here and sip my coffee and not right. say a word. Maybe they don't see the rainbow on my face. <laughs> right. You know, but, you know, let me be over here and be quiet. But then when you are in your truth and living it, it's more like, no, you have, you have, you, you, correct those you give opportunity to correct those statements or to, to view or to offer them a viewpoint from somebody that they respect and you might can change some people to understand other people so that was one thing that I realized that that was the, that was what I feel like I missed in that time period was the ability to educate people that were close to me about my experience that way they don't go out into the world because these are good people they don't go out into the world and say things that they really don't even understand what they're saying you know exactly and it's so, a lot of that and I'm glad that you found your truth yeah. you're living your truth i'm living my truth i'm yeah. so proud yeah. of you now i know you went to the university of memphis uh -huh. right so mm -hmm. what did you major in so 
I actually started out in in computer engineering at mm-hmm. Southwest first. Okay. Then I realized that that wasn't it. I was like, no, I'm too, even. It was my English one on one teacher. She was like, "Are you sure, like, computer engineering is for you? I feel like you have more personality, more writing skills to give the world than sitting behind a desk coding." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "You, I'm, I'm actually." not passing these coding classes so (laughs) what 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 you know i don't know and so that's why i thought about radio and journalism and so then i immediately transferred to the university of memphis uh and then i transferred to university of memphis and then i focused on communications and so and but meanwhile i had spent so much time at the community college i was like you don't spend so much time you might as well finish up those last few classes Mm -hmm. so i ended up in 2011 graduating from both schools on the same weekend so literally i had two graduations in may of 2011 so i graduated with my bachelor's in communications and my associates in computer engineering uh and i keep in mind my parents i was a kid that didn't think was gonna go to college so no that was my twin that was like past and so like in in grade (laughs) school it was talking to my twin sister Melanie it was Melanie you're gonna go to college mm-hmm. and you're gonna get a scholarship and you you are going to college and they turn around Milton <laughs> and they call me Little Milton Little Milton you're gonna um, some really good trade schools oh really <laughs> some really good trade schools for you and it's okay trade schools are wonderful everybody doesn't have to go to college mm. and, look at <laughs> and, you. and so you know look at me graduate for two degrees two, two different schools on the same weekend you know so wow. that's why I always tell people never Give them options like that. So it was good that my parents gave me options to try to accommodate what they thought I could accomplish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now they kind of, they, they still even don't even like to know when I bring it up. I was like, you know you said these things. <laughs> they're like, no, we always told you to be, a, nah. Nah, mom but and they, dad, I remember. But they was like, my mom was like, we just didn't know. You wasn't performing well. We just was trying to make sure that you were confident in wherever life took you. And if it wasn't going to be a, to a four-year school, I was like, well, no. The thing that I tell people when it comes to kids, you've got to shoot for the stars mm. and let them shoot for the stars and if you land on the moon that's okay but don't have oh. don't have them start with earth and they never <laughs> even make it to the moon or the stars you know like you know start start you know start Far out, start right. way out in the universe, and if they don't ever, if they don't ever fly, that's okay. I, I feel you. <laughs> you know, so it's like, so give them <laughs> options that are limitless, and wow. let them, and let whatever happens happen. So, do you find yourself utilizing your computer engineering degree at all, like in life right now? So, in the beginning of my career, yes. So, like, I took AutoCAD. Okay. Uh, AutoCAD is like where you are making circuit boards mm-hmm. and doing things like that for computer connections and things like that. So that it can be used for a variety of reasons. So when I got to my events position at the convention center, uh, AutoCAD is what every event planner used to plan the event. Even wow. I even I even still use that sometimes for planning events and things that I do. Mm-hmm. When you're looking for the layout of the banquet space or you, the vendor booths and things like that, AutoCAD is what event planners use. Yeah. So, you know, so I was like, I never thought this class would like, <laughs> I never thought I would see this class again. But, yeah. you know, so because of that training, I was able to manipulate it. So when Memphis uh, Tourism hired me then as the event manager and well, event assistant and event coordinator and all that, um, I was able to say I can do this. I did mm-hmm. this in my engineering course, you know. So, wow. so yeah, it 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 always it it it, it came into play. Then I say as I get older and mm-hmm. progressing in my career, not as much. I realize it because you know technology changes. So yes, technology rapidly. changes like that. So what I knew in the early two thousands has drastically changed. So now I find myself having to depend on. Uh, some of the young, younger colleagues in the office mm-hmm. in the 20s when it comes to software. Because in PR, we have, like, these different modules that we use to determine the media outreach and things like that. And sometimes it can be a little bit 
complicated. And I'm like, yeah. okay, there's a, there's a there's a nice smart. What's the generation after millennial? Um, Gen is it Gen, Gen Z? Z? Gen Z. Gen Z. So there's a Gen Z in my office in the PR department that is brilliant on almost everything. And so I'm like, Brittany, that's come somebody over good here. to have on your team. Yeah, exactly. I'm like Brittany, come over here. I have. You know, and I never thought I would be that person. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm wow. tech savvy, mm-hmm. but I realize that, you know, the older you get, some things you just. Yeah, and then don't. at the position you're in now, delegate, 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 delegate. Exactly. <laughs> okay, but let's talk about your career in radio mm-hmm. because, I mean, if I remember correctly, you were actually working in radio. You've produced for the Mike and Mandy Morning Show. Mm-hmm. Tell me about all of that. So, yeah, so after that first job I had in radio, which was working at Bot Radio Network, which is a Christian station. And there I was pretty much a board operator, so I got my feet wet. So I was able to learn how to edit audio and do the recordings and things and run the commercials and things, but it wasn't speaking. So when I got to Mike and Mandy's show, it literally, um, I had applied, they hired somebody else, and then um, that person didn't work out. And then they, I was the second runner-up, so they called me. So Mike and Mandy was fun. You know, it was, at the time, I was 21 years old, waking up at 3 in the morning to get to the station at 4, 4, 15. the morning shows be brutal, and, You know, baby. brutal. And I so know. You, you know all about it. You know mm-hmm. it. You know, and so waking up at, so I was waking up at 4 o'clock, you know, well, getting there at 4 o'clock, and then, um, you know, as a morning show producer, you're, com- you're helping them come up with the jokes. You are editing. American Idol was really hot then. So, you're like, every show we would do, like, the what's hot from American Idol. So, I'm in there in the office editing audio. I'm keeping track of what the breaking news stories are, you know, giving them their cue cards. and Or I'm out in the field at the gas station talking about <laughs> something. You know how radio goes, yes. you know. So, sometimes you're talking. Sometimes you're that guy out in the field, that third personal air that you hear every once in a while that, you know, you're in the car listening to the radio. You're like... Oh, yeah, I forgot he works there. (laughs) So, yeah, so working with Mike and Mandy, you know, I really appreciate everything they did for me as a 21-year-old teaching me the ropes of radio and letting me join their show for a year and a half. You know, I I really enjoyed that experience. And, you know, and Mike and Mandy, they are, um, they actually went off air about, um, maybe a year and a half ago, and they spent mm-hmm. almost twenty years in Memphis, um, and on WRBR the River one hundred four point five. But I re- and I keep up with Mandy on okay, Facebook. Did you guys keep in touch? We did. So when like when I eventually opened up the pyramid as a public spokesperson, I went back to their morning show in twenty fifteen, and they was like, "We got our old morning show producer oh, back. Wow. He left us years ago, but he's back and full he's tell- <laughs> full circle." And so I was mm-hmm. able to go back on the show and talk about that. So I still keep up with them, and then you know I was. You know, I admit that I, I, at that time period, I was working two jobs. So I was doing a radio show from 4 in the morning to around about 8.30-ish. And Mike and Manny wouldn't get off to 9, but I would leave in that last 30 minutes or so. They would be by themselves. Mm-hmm. And then I had that. I had started my career off in tourism working at the Memphis Visitor Center. So mm-hmm. I would be at the Visitor Center around about 9 o'clock-ish whenever I could make it there through that East Memphis to Whitehaven traffic. Mm-hmm. And then and after that, I had classes at night. And so, like, trying to, so so I had to leave the radio station to focus, that particular station to focus on finishing school. Uh, Do you miss? Radio. So I, I do. You know you I sound do. good on this microphone. <laughs> and you're definitely uh-huh. a talker. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I can talk for days. <laughs> uh, as you can see, I can talk for days and squeeze in a lot of stuff in a you lot of seconds. You know what? I can, uh-huh. see, I can see, like, your own Memphis Tourism Podcast. 
Well, you know, the, let, you know, just go go talk to my VP, <laughs> Kevin Kern. Go talk to my CEO, Kevin Kane, and go talk to Regina, my chief marketing officer. I you will. Know. Look, uh, they'll sponsor everything, it, I'm sure. Exactly. You know, but, you know, I, who knows what the future could hold. But okay. no, but no. Well, look, I, we'll I, talk about it later. <laughs> I enjoy what I do, but I'm open to other things. Okay, <laughs> so, you know, I've been hearing you mention tourism, tourism. You are deeply seated into the tourism um, business at this point. What are some of the biggest selling points that you like to emphasize about Memphis? For, for more, Memphis is as a city. This year we're celebrating 200 years of being a city. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of struggles. Um, but there's a lot for us to be proud of. And I think sometimes our struggles uh, outshine, for some individuals, outshine our accomplishments. Um, you know, being the city that, you know, where FedEx was started, was founded. You know, being the city where Holiday Inn kicked off. Being the city where the first grocery store kicked off uh, with Clarence Saunders and Piggly Wiggly. Oh. Um, you know, uh, our history in influencing the civil rights movement, although that is a a a spot in history that has a sad and a, and a sad memory for us, um, but it still shows how resilient we are as a city to overcome things and challenges. And challenges. And although you know we are not where we need to be, in my opinion, uh, as a city, but we are striving and we're moving forward. So when I sell Memphis, it is that we are resilient. We are uh, an amazing city, and you know, there's Memphis is a vibe. You know, it's hard to describe. You know, it's hard. when I talk to journalists, I always <laughs> say you got, to, you got to come and experience it. You know, I can give you some nice, sweet words, and I can write you a nice press release, but until you get there and feel the vibe, and talk to the people, and taste the food, and listen to the music, um, it's going to be hard for you to get it um, because we are we are nothing um, like anyone else. And now, when I think of cities, I think all cities in America are all living, I think of them like living, breathing people. Mm-hmm. So like New York is a person, and L.A., and Atlanta, and Memphis. These are all individual, and they all need different things. They all need food, and they all need, you know, mm-hmm. money, and you know, all those different things to survive, um, you know. But each of them require certain things. They have different personalities, and they're all equally great. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I, one, I don't like to compare Memphis to any other city because we, I I, you know, exactly, you know, it's, it's, it's like we, we are, there's no one else like us. And we're a city that has influenced music around the world. What other city can say they are the birthplace of rock and roll, the home to blues and soul music, right? Uh, you know, with the Stax Museum, with Stax Records, that's, you know, um, uh, Sun Studios or High Records, which is where, uh, you know, Bruno Mars recorded uh, World Studios, where Bruno Mars recorded uh, Uptown, the whole Uptown Funk. And that's and I, like the song of the decade. It is. Did you hear yes. that announcement? I did hear that announcement. Okay, I did. what's up, Bruno? Yeah. And so, and the fact that that's associated with yes. Memphis, you know, with Boo Mitchell, and then recording Boo that Mitchell. entire album here in Former Memphis. Guest. You yes. know, so in a, and shout out to Boo Mitchell. I always utilize him for hosting my media guests with music related stories. He's and, awesome. and he's and he's a, a true trooper and supporter of Memphis tourism. Yes. Um, but yeah, so when it comes to Memphis, you know, when I talk about Memphis, it's the history, it's the food, um, it's the music, it's the people, um, and all those things make us great. And yes, we got some things that are not <laughs> always so um easy or fun to talk about. 
not. But uh, all cities. Uh, it's all cities. But boy, do we have a lot of great things happening that we should be talking about and that I want Memphians to talk about to other people because that's how we're going to get more people to visit Memphis because the Memphis tourism uh, economically brings about um, 3.5, around about that area, about $3.5 billion economically economically to the city of Memphis. Did you that's say a, billion? Yes. Wow. Yes. So that's a lot of money mm. coming to the, the Memphis economy. Yeah. Uh, and so just think what will happen if you go home and talk to your friends and everyone, if we're all talking positively about our city mm-hmm. and what impact that has. You know, so all those tax dollars, you're able to take that and the state is able to help education and, and roads and so many Definitely. other things that those, those those dollars contribute to. So tourism, wow. um, I love being able to make the impact. I love. I feel like when I wake up every day, every article that I'm able to get about Memphis to the world and, every, and, and however many people reach, whether it's one or two or a million, um, I think about the positive benefits that's going to have economically on Memphis. And so that's what I wake up every day to do is to really promote Memphis yes. and to know that at the end of that row, at the end of that article, it's going to have a positive benefit in the city. And I love being a part of that, being wow. a part of the change here. And we love you being at the forefront of this big you know, Memphis change and resurgence, as I like to call it, with a lot of my verbally effective guests. Um, You know, I know you've been doing a lot of traveling. Mm -hmm. So you're representing Memphis. What are people most surprised to learn about Memphis that they did not know? When when you tell them, they're like, are you serious? You know, I'm going to say one thing is a lot of people still don't know we have an iconic pyramid. You know, they don't. A lot of people still don't know that. I find that so shocking because even people who've been to Memphis, it's like, I've never saw the pyramid. Like, where did you go? Like, <laughs> like, you know, did you travel by the river? I mean, did you river? go downtown at all? <laughs> I mean, you know, where did you go? You know, uh, if you didn't go to Memphis, how did you not see the pyramid? Right. <laughs> so, um, so I think that is one thing that is shocking. Most people know our history uh, in terms of music and food. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I don't think they know what's new happening here. I don't those are the things they don't know the current music that's coming out of here. So I think those are the things that the new things are happening that I travel to educate them on because a lot of them know the history, but they don't know what's happening now. Uh, and so I like to educate them on things like the pyramid that's that's that reopened in 2015 that I actually helped reopen as a Pro. public spokesperson for Bass Pro Shops in 2015. I remember that 16. Uh, and so tell them about that or tell them about. Um, you know, I still think some people, you know, we know the they know Bill Street in terms of his history and music, but I think some journalists that I meet still they still think of, you know, Bourbon Street before they think Bill Street. So no, yeah. I, I like to let them know that we got we a historic street in <laughs> and, uh in Memphis. It's called Bill Street, one of America's most iconic streets. Right. Uh, and so, you know, those things. Um, you know, I tell them about the new hotels that we have here to experience that are unique, you know, from the Hugh Hotel to the new Central Station Hotel that just opened up. Oh, I've heard so many good things about Central Station. Yes. I wanna check it out. You you got to. They have the home um record player in the lobby that's playing Memphis they got the music. DJ spinning. The DJ spinning. They have a music room where you can just go in and sit down and listen to music. Mm-hmm. Like the music powers and there's these wonderful speakers in there. And you can just sit down on, it looks like, feels like a mini movie theater, but just where you just go listen to music. Yeah, I got to uh, And it's, you know, it's free to anybody to go in and check out, you know. Wow. So from the new hotels to, you know, the, you know, the advancements at Graceland. You know, mm-hmm. Graceland is now, you know, um, 
more than just Elvis. You know, they've expanded to an exhibition center where they have different traveling shows and things. So you have um, this summer they had a Muhammad Ali exhibit, and then they right now have a space exhibit. Um, so I still think, you know, most Memphians, I know a lot of my friends have not been to Grace. Have you been to Grace? I have not been to Grace, See. and I've been here over 20 years now. See. I- I'm sorry, Milton. Can you take me? I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Show me I surely these can. New we can make that part of the podcast. <laughs> oh, we <laughs> those adventures location. at Graceland. Yes, yes. <laughs> a staycation or something, <laughs> and on location at Graceland. You know, that cute. you know, and so yeah, I, you, so Graceland is definitely you know millions of people from around the world. Uh, you know, come they to, love Elvis. You know, Presley, they they baby. love Elvis. They from love all Elvis. over the world. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when I was in Australia promoting Memphis in twenty um, seventeen and eighteen. Um, I, you know, if, if I had, if I was a tour agent or a travel agent or something like that, if I had a credit card machine to swipe to charge people for trips to Memphis, like I would be rich. Like that's how many people were coming up to me wanting information about how to get here. I plan hundreds of itineraries during that weekend in Australia about Memphis. We sponsor an event uh, called Blues on Broad Beach where we flew out Southern Avenue to perform in that festival. We also did a few tourism-related shows. And then we had a whole Memphis booth set up with Memphis information and some Memphis barbecue samples and all that. Mm, and so, and they were loving it. And so, you know, it these were people who, on the other side of the globe, you know, who were eager to get to Memphis, a place that, you know, we take for granted sometimes as citizens, I think. And the fact, you know, I went into, on my last night in Australia, uh, you know, I was like, I'm going to go into uh, a club or something, experience that in Australia. On my dime, by the way, y'all. Just <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go and experience it before I catch my flight because it was an early morning flight. I said, I might as well be up. And before the guy checks my ID, and he's like, Memphis. And this guy's like maybe like 20, 21 years old. He's like, Memphis. He's like, barbecue. The mm. fact that, you know, I can go into a club on the other side of the world and he knows that we're known barbecue. for barbecue. You know, the fact that, you know, so that tells we are, when you get outside of the metro Memphis area, mm-hmm. everyone loves Memphis. It's within this metro area where you, you know, I think it's, it's but it's, I think that's common for most cities, though. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you regret the place that you live the, or the place that you reside, reside for most people. So wow. when you get outside of Memphis, you'll be, you'll be afraid. There are people out there I can sit down with who sometimes can out-talk me on a media interview. No. They can out-talk me. No. And I sometimes I can sit down with a writer and they be like, this, 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 and that. And I'm like, I didn't know that. You wow. know, and they, and they sometimes may have these tidbits of information of things I knew on the surface about, but then they have this in-depth knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's 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 fun to promote Memphis. It's the, right. you know, I have never dreamed of being able to travel and talk about a place that I love. Wow. And you mentioned you've been to Australia. What are some of the other places that you've been to? Um, so, you know, so for most of my travel, so the internationally Australia is one of the markets that I focus on personally myself in the department so I go there uh, at least once a year Um, but when it comes to internationally um, we have an office in Australia we have an office in Europe uh, and so we have other um, individuals in office that caters to those markets Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of domestically in the United States I'm across country from L.A. to New York to Chicago, Atlanta, New Orleans, Miami. Yeah, ooh, I like um, to think about his food. When Denver. Um, I mean, where do I? Where do I? Where do I go? Um, right. Malibu with Memphis um, on your DC, um, Nashville, um, Lexington, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, Cincinnati, oh, wow. Indianapolis. Um, what has been your favorite city my domestically? Favorite city. My favorite city. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. So I love New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, everybody loves New Orleans, but I, I that's she's my 
she's one of my favorite cities. Mm-hmm. She reminds me so much, and I, I don't know why I call her she, but it reminds me so much of Memphis. Mm-hmm. And New Orleans were both river cities, so mm-hmm. I, I and she's I sometimes I like to say New Orleans is like New Orleans our big sister, not because she's bigger or anything or better, but because she's like three hundred. She's she's three hundred years old. We're two hundred <laughs> years old, so she's one hundred years older. So I'll say I think that I can I see think the that, parallel. I you can know, see what you know, you're saying. And so I, I say our big sister who's a little older and a little bit experienced because yeah. she old. But <laughs> but but no, New Orleans, but you know, I think, you know, I I miss you know, I I love, you know, I don't picking a favorite city is difficult right. for me because they all are different yeah. and they offer different things. So, you know, it's really hard to say different that, personalities. but but you know, different personalities. So, I I go to different places for different things. So. Now, out of all of the cities that you've traveled to mm-hmm. and meeting different people, mm-hmm. what do you think is the biggest misconception about Memphis? Um, I would say biggest misconception. Um, hmm. I still feel like a lot of um, people on the West Coast sometimes think of the South as a place that you shouldn't travel for. I think a lot of Americans, internationally, they love Memphis. But I think sometimes domestically, um, I think they think of the South as a place that you just don't travel. Um, they think of it as, um, you know, small roads, small towns. You know, right. they think, you know, they buy into... It's below them. It's be- you know, I don't want to say they think it's below them, but, you know, they kind of think it's, you know, <laughs> I don't need to go there kind of thing. So I think, you know, I think that's the misconception that the South is like a series of, like, small towns and weed flowing in the wind. They and, just you know, don't know. Well, you know, I you know, I think that they just don't know. So I think the I think the idea that we are not a urban metropolis, you know, that we're not, you know, that we're not a, a, a major city and we're not, we're the tw- uh, like around, you know, we have over a million and 200,000 people in the city. Mm-hmm. So we're not small. We're not the largest, uh, but we are, medium you know, size we're a medium market. sized city and we can compete with the best of the best. Yes, we can. So, you know, so I think the idea that we are like tiny, I think would be a, a misconception. Okay. Now you're very involved in the public relations society of America. Mm-hmm. You're the, incoming vice president for Mm -hmm. the Memphis chapter and Mm president-elect for 2021. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your role in PRSA. Yeah, So that is the organization where you have all of the public relations individuals in the city of Memphis who choose to be a part of this organization. Uh, And so some of these people represent... PR at FedEx. Some of them represent Memphis Light, Gas, and Water. Some of them represent... Um, St. Jude. So you think of all your major companies in town and some of your smaller companies, independent freelancers and things like that. Um, we all come together and we try to learn from each other about how to do what we do and how to do it better. Uh, and so my current role right now is I'm uh, I'm the I'm, my turn is diversity and inclusion share ends in December and then in 2020 I'll be the the vice president of programming. So this year I was focused on telling people what di- about diversity and that was my focus on educating what diversity is. And you know, we had a we had a seminar this year where the entire panel was all white men, mm. no females, no one of color. And so you know, as diversity inclusion chair, I had to I took, you know, um responsibility for that mistake. You know, I didn't book the event, but I also didn't see and check to that it had diversity. So that was one of those things where, you know, I had to tell my team, you know, I take responsibility for that happening, but when it comes to diversity, it is always, because they were like, you know, some some people on the team were like, well, we had other diverse events in the past. I'm like, diversity is a continuous 
conscious act, intentional act. And so I was like, so the past is great, but you have to continue it. Mm -hmm. You can't just stop it. And so, you know, and so that was one thing. And so I, and I was trying to inform them that the, the, ability, the way that you continue diversity is making sure that you put other people in charge of, of making decisions and that you're including other, bringing other people to the table to talk about or to see who you're picking as a speaker and to see what goes into that. And, you know, and so, you know, sometimes had, we had some pushback. Some individuals were, you know, well, we don't, um, you know, we only took the media guests that the news station sent us. You know, as a PR oh. professional, you know, I think it's our job. We are PR professionals. We are the individuals who are in between the public and what the in the media. So we have the ability to control what's happening in the world in terms of the media and what that conversation is. And if we are not thinking diverse in our conversations and and, and our pitches to the media then the media is surely not going to get it right if we're not right. So it starts with us, and so we have the ability to influence it. So that's one of the, my major initiatives that when I become um, VP of Programming in 2020, Vice President of PRSA Memphis, is to make sure that we are continuing that, but also offer opportunity um, to grow the organization. We have opportunity to grow there. We right now have about 134 members, and there's a lot of more people in the, in the, in the Memphis community that would benefit from being a part of that. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I'm focusing on. So it's really a, a way for us to collaborate with each other. Because when in the PR world, although technology is great, you can get a media guest, you can find their contact online, you can have all the software in the world. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if you got a contact with this outlet or whatever outlet, New York Times or something, if I know you know that person and I don't, mm-hmm. I need to know you so that I can know them. And so PRSA gives you the opportunity to meet other people to connect the dots. And so yeah. that's what we'll be doing more of in 2020 at PRSA. But I'm also on the Public Relations Executive Committee um, for uh, PRSA um, Travel and Tourism Section. Mm-hmm. And those are individuals that focus solely on travel and tourism. Mm-hmm. So these are people who represent cities like Chicago, New York, Atlanta, or they might represent a hotel chain or just a hotel or an attraction. Mm-hmm. And so we all have the common goal of trying to push travel to the things that we're promoting. So we have an organization, a big conference that we do every year. This this year is going to be in Spokane, Washington. So if there's any public relations professionals in the travel industry listening, come on out to Spokane, Washington in June Mm. um, because that's where we'll have our next conference at. Uh, And so, yeah, and so that organization is lots of fun. You know, it's where I get to meet with my other travel and tourism colleagues because we all have the similar similar issues and similar goals. And so that's one, another organization I'm happy proud to be on the executive committee for and you know what that pr role ties so well into your tourism role it's like everything is tied tied in together Mm -hmm. and you know when we think about public relations we can kind of think about some of the imagery like some of the racist imagery we've seen in media and marketing for example the whole big deal with the h&m campaign yes you know things Mm. of that nature so are you like at the forefront of making sure like the imagery of things that go on in Memphis, you know, is presented correctly. Yes. So, so at PRSA, our chapter, our chapter members, are, are we are definitely at the forefront of helping our colleagues locally um, ensure that they're on the right path to representing their organizations correctly. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's, it's important. Some some people don't realize, sometimes we can have little silos and forget. You know, with my networking event that I do, the Link Up Memphis, like mm-hmm. I realize that, you know, I have 99% African Americans coming to that event, mm-hmm. you know, and so diversity works both ways. Like I like to tell white men, you are also diverse, mm-hmm. 
what you bring to the table is also important. Diversity is every person, every individual. We all have different levels of diversity, different levels and different things that we can all bring to the table and different things that can benefit. Mm -hmm. And so with that event, you know, I had to be conscious. Like, Milton, that's okay. Yes, I had a whole bunch of African-Americans that were happy to be there, but I realized that, you know, if I'm true on my diversity speech, I need to make sure that I broaden that circle too. And, yeah, and there yeah. are things that my white colleagues can bring to the table. So, you know, so I, I partnered with um, uh, New Memphis Institute uh, as a sponsor for the Link Up, and they sponsor um, the next three Link Ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they were able to bring their database, with, which was more diverse than mine. And, and then we had an awesome event. Our first one together was... Uh, in October, and we have another one coming in December. Uh, and so be on the lookout. Make sure you're on the uh, Milton Memphis Entertainment Facebook page, and you can find <laughs> out what's happening there. But, yes. um, but you know, we have another one coming in December. So I, so it doesn't matter who you are, black, white, Hispanic, LGBTQ, whatever it is that you're a part of, you need to examine um, the the community that you exist within, and, and, and does your organization or event or whatever it is you're doing, does it represent that community? And if it doesn't, then you need to ch- figure out how to change it. Definitely. Now, you were just recently recognized by the Memphis Business Journal as one of the top 40 under 40 professionals. And you up in here looking like you're about 25 years old. But Thank I know. you. I'll take it. <laughs> how does it feel to be acknowledged for your work here in the city? You know, it really felt great. Know. You know, it it felt really great to have, like, every day since last Thursday, mm-hmm. I have been uh, coming, uh, running to people into the office or running to people in public and people who I don't know, some who I do, and they're like, congratulations, I saw you on the 440, I'm getting random emails. But, you know, it feels great to know that my peers support and recognize the work uh, that I've done. But, you know, I didn't get to this point alone. There were individuals uh, in my inner circles and there were mentors who have coached like I I gave a tribute at the luncheon last week to Patsy Morgan. Patsy Morgan was um, uh, the lady who hired me at the Memphis Visitor Center 12 years, 13 years ago. um, And taught me the world of tourism taught me I had never I still thought I was you know, if if I didn't know about tourism, there's no way I could ever get to it. And so she taught me that, although she didn't think that was my career choice, she still exposed me to it, and I had to, and was able to make that choice for myself. And, you know, when I went from each job, each promotion, you know, she was able to coach me along the way and say, well, what did you think about this, or what do you think about that? And having somebody in that in my circle that I'm able to, um, to vent to and to share my experience with and somebody who's been there and they can kind of shed some light. And so, you know, between Patsy and my parents – you know, even my CEO, I have to give credit to. My CEO is um, is an amazing individual. He's been the head of our organization for around 30 years mm-hmm. in Memphis Tourism. And, you know, Kevin, you know, I, when I left Memphis Tourism to open up the Pyramid, uh, the Bass Pro Shops, a public spokesperson, um, Bass Pro Shops, the Pyramid, you know, he was like, Milton, I don't want you to go. You know, he was like, <laughs> you know, but if there's something you must do, but if you can stay, you know, this, tell me what I can do to keep you. And he's somebody who supported my career. And even when I chose to come back to organization and they reached out until they had a position, you know, it was one of those things where he's always been in my corner and welcomed me. And, and I always say, if you are only a leader, not just if you hire people and lead, but if you offer them opportunity to learn and grow in advance. Right. And if you are not giving them opportunity to learn and grow, then you're not really doing the justice by just hiring them. And that's something that Kevin Kane has, has done for me. But as well as Regina Bearden, 
Uh, my chief marketing officer at Memphis Tourism uh, has been wonderful. Um, and then Kevin Kern, my v- my VP at Memphis Tourism. Kevin Kern has like tripled the years and experience of PR that I have. And so every day I like mm-hmm. learn something different from Bounce him. He, he started his career it. in in uh, television and then came over to PR. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, just listing his career um, trajectory and how that and, and, and the timeline of how that happened in his in his life you know has taught me a lot and he's been definitely another mentor that I, I value and give thanks to for allowing me to be here with you on this radio show uh, so I always say no matter what point you are in life you know and I always tell people everybody it is not really about I, I value the, the accolades and things I love that I'm very much appreciative of it um, but it's one of those things where I, I like those people who don't win awards like that, it's, the awards are not important. Mm-hmm. Um, the work that you do, because everybody can't, everybody won't be picked. And it doesn't mean that you weren't picked because you uh, were not the best at what you do. Sure. Uh, so it, it just, the, those awards are great, but the work that you do, if it's making a difference, that's what matters. Definitely. Uh, and so, you know, and that's what I like to tell people. So I'm very appreciative at, at the award, but I'm more so appreciative that I know that when I wake up in the morning, if I do my job right, that I can make a difference. It sounds like you've had some awesome mentors for the top 40 under 40 with the Memphis Business Journal. Do they have like a big soiree? Yeah, it was a luncheon. So it was a luncheon, you know, and, you know, my my CEO and chief marketing officer and VP, they all bought a table. I was able to get my mom. Was it last Thursday? It was last Thursday, yeah. I was able to get my mom and my dad at the table and my work bay came, Leah Gaffney. (laughs) When you listen to this, you know, you'll smile. (laughs) Um, as well as my new boo, uh, <laughs> Ooh, that's a new boo uh, my y'all. new boo was able to uh, meet my parents um, for the first time. You know, I hadn't yeah. uh, introduced him yet, so he was able to come and meet my coworkers and, okay. and family. So it was a last week was good. Oh, I know it was. I know it was. Now you know you're also behind some of you know a lot of popular social events, which you've mentioned mm-hmm. the link up. Um, you know, I think you had an event at the High Tone. I miss the old Kanye, yeah, which so, feature music and yeah. art. So, you come up with some creative events, Milton. So thank you, thank you. You know, so you know, I am music series. So the I am music series was under the Milton Memphis Entertainment. You know, that was my company that I started because I I love music and mm-hmm. out even before everything else. At five, the first thing that I wanted to be was an entertainer. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing like I realized. Perform, like perform, I, I can dance, but I can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that was my way to. Um, so I feel like the entertainment aspect was my way to kind of live that. Um, but the it threw, yeah. So I realized that's not what it was my purpose was not no. to be the performer. My purpose was to help those get to where they need to be yes. in performance. So I realized that the marketing, marketing and PR and promotion and events, all the things that's my lane. Mm-hmm. And I realized those are things that I was good at. And mm-hmm. so with the Milton Memphis Entertainment, my job, I wanted to create experiences. I wanted to create experiences where people felt included. Um, so my music events are always going to, you know, they, they tend to focus on R&B and hip hop and things like that. And it, it provides a platform for like the like Jessica Ray has been on my uh, show. She's no sign with uh, Made in Memphis Entertainment. Uh, Jazzy has performed on my show. She's nominated for, uh, you know, several Grammys. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, 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 I mean, there's so many different artists locally that have crossed my stage. And I like to say that wow. along the way. 
um, that, you know, I hope that Milton Memphis Entertainment has provided some type of maybe financial support or some type of exposure that was made it beneficial for them along the way. And so connecting people is, is the core, though, of Milton Memphis Entertainment. It's connecting people through experiences. And so that's how the link up started. You know, I was like, I want to create a, a networking event that was free. Because I remember being 20 and 21 years old and not being able to pay that $10 to go to a networking event. And I feel like that pushes people away and it becomes about money and you kind of lose focus. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's why I'm thankful for sponsors like New Memphis Institute that were able to take care of the cost with that. Um, but so the link up we've hosted, um, connected over a thousand people since the first link up and each event has anywhere from 100 to 300 people. Uh, and so that was something that I had no true idea that it would kick off like mm -hmm. it did. Like people like, I can literally send out an email on a Thursday and have like, you know, several hundred RSVPs by the next within 24 hours. I had no uh -huh. idea. I felt it was missing in Memphis. Um, but you know, i that was something that I was one of my most um, proud, I guess one of the things that I love, one of my favorite creations is mm. the link up because I actually can see the benefit and the happiness that it brings people. So what um, goes on at the link up? How so, is the house set up of so the event? The link up, when you come through the door, you immediately get a name badge with a color. The color is, uh, everybody doesn't get the same color. You oh. got to go connect with the individual with the matching color. Okay. And if you connect with the individual with the matching color, learn some things, there's opportunity for you to win prizes and things like that. And even on top of that, I have my volunteers in the crowd. We see individuals who are not talking, uh, who seems like they're kind of on their phones, or like maybe they feel isolated and don't know anyone. Or, you know, our whole goal to link up is to connect people and to make sure that people have feel comfortable connecting because if you're not a talker like me and you walk into a room, you might be intimidated by a room full of 200 people that you know, that you don't know. Mm -hmm. So to link up our whole goal is to create a safe, fun environment for people to network. You know, I've, I've went to invited, I was invited to a brunch a few months ago and I sat down at the brunch and then at the table, I thought I only knew one person at the table. And so everybody at the table became friends because of that networking event. Now, I didn't even know that they had even been to my event. They was like, well, we know you. Uh, <laughs> you we didn't actually meet you because you were busy hosting. But we're all at this table because of you. Mm -hmm. And we are all now friends. So that that's what I, I – I love that. You know, I love that. Now the Kanye West event that you was talking yeah. about a minute ago. Now yeah. that one, that actually, I can't take, I can't take all the credit for that. That is my Lamont out of L.A. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in L.A. and ran into. He actually came to one of the events we did in L.A. and he was like, Milton, I got this idea. I'm doing the old. I missed the old Kanye West show. Do you think it's something that Memphis wants? Do you think you can help me make this happen in Memphis? And so, you know, he we talked about it and I was like, Memphis will love it. Mm -hmm. And so he came with the idea. And so I basically pushed it as under the Milton Memphis brand here locally. And Memphis, y'all came out and supported it. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, you know, and so, but those are the things I look to. I, I, I feel like there's a lot, you know, when it comes to the entertainment community in Memphis, Everybody has their go-tos, mm -hmm. uh, and everybody has their thing. And there's a, there's a million and 200,000 people for you to market to, mm -hmm. and all of them can't be at the same event. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, some people feel the competitive market. So I like to sit back, watch, mm -hmm. and wait and see what's needed, and I like to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't like to do what everyone else is doing. But, you know, I have right. a big event. I'm going to tell you this. Oh, it's a big event. Some exclusive? Exclusive. Okay. It's gonna be, I'm not going to give you the whole exclusive. Ah! But just taste. know that in October 2020, there okay. will be a music event produced by Milton Memphis Entertainment that I think will have a tremendous, or that I hope will have a tremendous. No, we're not. That's it not hope. Will. It will. We, we do that. You know, I was trying to be modest with the hope, okay. but 
uh, you know, that, you know, that will have a, and I hope to have an impact in Memphis, uh, music-wise. A, a, a music event. And there's going to be some like other things. Like a festival, things. like? It's more than that. Oh, more <laughs> than that. It's more than that. Okay. Uh, and so it's something that, you know, that I realized was missing and that we didn't have and that that I felt like I need to, to kick the bar and make mm-hmm. that happen. So that's my dream for 2020 that will happen. And and so expect, the public, expect in the first quarter of 2020, expect oh. uh, an announcement from Milton Memphis Entertainment okay. regarding our October 2020 event. You heard it here on Verbally Effective. I'm going to be waiting for that announcement too. Now, you know, we were just talking about the old Kanye. mentioned Kanye West. You know, he's been through so so many changes as of late. He even attended um, <laughs> Pastor Joel Osteen's mm-hmm. church. I saw that. Well, in I read Texas. about it. <laughs> and, um, you know, he was a guest and he even preached for a second. And of course, you know, they do his choir performs. What do you think about Kanye's transition into the gospel genre? And Kanye That's in a touchy subject. <laughs> Are you a Kanye fan? So, yeah. So, you know, I, I am a Kanye fan. I do appreciate, you know, I don't know. I'm not one. I'm one of the individuals that I don't really have, like, a favorite artist per mm-hmm. se. Um, besides one rapper that I'm working with named Franceschi, who's from Memphis. But anyway. I know Franceschi. <laughs> you know Fran- yeah, oh, yeah, you know Franceschi. Yeah. yeah. So, Franceschi is like, I'm going to say, Franceschi is my favorite rapper. He's okay. a big Kanye yeah. fan, I believe. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. And so, but what I will say is, Kanye, if you know, whatever you're doing, if it's gospel, if it's hip hop, whatever you're doing, if it is influencing people in a positive way, then I can rock with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to, um, to judge and say he shouldn't do the gospel or say it's not of God. And you know, that's, I don't feel that's anybody's choice. I feel like if those people who are going to his shows or going to the church or his music gospel experiences, if they are being moved in a positive way and they're not drinking Kool-Aid and killing themselves. <laughs> no cult, no cult life. You, know, <laughs> you know, as long as it's nothing like that, I think if it is moving them po- in a positive way, I think that is something that we, um, that I can't knock and that I, I support. Okay. I'm rocking with you. I like that new gospel album. Have you heard it? Jesus so, King? I haven't finished it. I listened to a few songs. Mm. Well, yeah. we'll try it out. Tell me what you think next time okay. I see you. Now, speaking of music, the Grammys, the yes. nominations were just announced this week. And we have quite a few people from Memphis mm-hmm. that are being nominated, such as you mentioned the group Southern, Southern Avenue. Southern Avenue, my Favorite. If you don't know Southern, if you are a Memphian, you don't know Southern Avenue. You need to be shot. I must be <laughs> shot because I have not witnessed this greatness that is Southern Avenue. So um, they are also um, um, you look on their website, mm-hmm. uh, Southern Avenue. Just Google them, everybody. You will see where show they're always traveling across the country and locally in Memphis. And they're a diverse um, group, and they, they are amazing. So um, you know, Ori. Um, uh, one of the lead um, musicians in the group who he he already flew to Memphis years ago because he wanted to be a part of the Memphis music legacy. He felt he wanted to start a band in, in Memphis wow. from from Israel. So an, an Israeli flew to Memphis. Huh? Yep, that's him right there on the right on the picture. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so Ori he flew to Memphis. And he formulated this magical band. Uh, he found um, uh, my two favorite ladies in the world, Tyranny 
Um, and then her um, sister TK uh, on the drums and Tyranny, the lead singer. Like, you know, they are truly an amazing group. Uh, you know, they are the group to watch for the future. Wow. So they were nominated. Um, Bobby Rush Bobby was Rush. nominated. Bobby Rush. <laughs> you got to tie into Bobby Rush, you, don't you? You got you, a Bobby Rush story. You know, I do. Bobby Rush, he made me feel this, this all, Blues, of, baby. all of the end of what? End of twenty. Eight, middle of 2018 to the beginning of uh, 2019, he was on the Take Me to the River tour. Mm. And so that was a tour that showcased Memphis music across the country. Mm. And so I was able to fly with that tour and bring out media guests to experience it. I mean, to think that he's in, I mean, I'm not, I can't remember his age exactly, but he's in his 70s. And the fact That's that he's it. on that stage he shaking it and jiving it and oh. doing what he's doing, the fact that he's doing all that, and it was an amazing performance. And I hate that, like, that was literally my first time really, uh, I'm familiar with his music, but I had never s- saw period. his live performance. Um, but yeah, Bobby Rush is uh, amazing. Wow, and representing the gospel realm in Memphis, Jacqueline Carr, we actually had her perform at one of our sister stress. She is amazing. Really? Okay, I'm going to have to check her out. Yes, and you already know Jazzy, producer oh, yes. Jazzy. How Jazzy. you know Jazzy? So me and Jazzy went to school together, University of Memphis. Okay. She actually, like, you know, you marching out in your robes and graduation. Jazzy was that person right in front of me, you know. So we had a conversation like, you know, what what are we going to do after college? And at that time, I have no idea what I said. But I do know that she was like, I'm going to be a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do this, this, and that. You know, and then even that, I think a few weeks after graduation, she invited me out to, if anybody in remember the trap house mm-hmm. on Union I think Verizon is like next to that building or something now but yep. invited me to the trap house I got to hear some of her samples and before you know it I feel like in a few months after that she was like I flew off to work with Timberland and so many others so uh, kudos to Jazzy like she's performed at uh, a couple of my shows well no a couple yeah a couple of my shows so Jazzy is she's legit I am Man. proud of her and she is so humble and one of the nicest individuals really ever. sweet Old Town Road I mean this yeah. song has broken so many records and for her to be a part of the writing on mm-hmm. this song yeah. I mean that's just amazing mm-hmm. We got one more guy, local producer Matt Ross Spang. You yeah. know Matt? So I know of him. So mm-hmm. I don't know him particularly, but he is very influential on the Memphis music circuit. Wow. So congratulations to all of that Memphis. I mean, we just on top, baby. And you are a part of Memphis being in the forefront. And we really appreciate you, Memphis. Um, I said Memphis, Milton. <laughs> we appreciate you, Milton. It's fine. As long as you say Milton and Memphis in the same yes. sentence, that's all that it's matters. It's like I have forgot your real <laughs> no. last government name no. because you have branded yourself so well with Milton Memphis. Yeah, thank you. And think about it. 12 years ago, my best friend, whenever Twitter came out, I was like, it was my Twitter handle and it was also my radio handle, uh, my radio name. And so, and I was trying to think of like, because MH3 was it at first. That was like MH3. I was like Milton Howard III. I was like, ah. It didn't really <laughs> rock really well with me. So, um, but Milton Memphis it resonated, but not only did it resonate, but my friends, the name came about, by the way, let me tell people how the name came about. It came about because people were tired, my friends were tired of my quick facts about Memphis because I was working at the Visitor Center and they were like, we are tired of you talking about Memphis. <laughs> like, your name needs to be Memphis. And so it just kind of, and they, they, that's kind of how it came about. 
Wow. I should have said that at the beginning. <laughs> well, we know now. What can we expect from Mr. Milton Memphis um, long term? Because you've given us a lot of, you know, what you're working on now. We know October 2020, yeah. the big announcement coming. What's going on for you long term? What can you see down the road, Milton? You know, um, I... I have ideas of what's long term, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm not exactly ready to share <laughs> what I would like to happen long term. But truth be told, though, honestly, since you know I'm 33 years old, reaching my 30s, I'm in the space of um, being conscious of today and doing what I can today, and still making preparations for the future. Um, but I finally reached a point to where I'm excited to be where I am in life and trying to live that and be my best in this space. And so that is kind of my focus right now, just trying to be the best in this space because you don't want life to come by and, like, breeze by and you haven't taken opportunities that you had or did the things you should do or experienced what you should experience. So for right now, I'm living in my space and living in my truth in this moment yes. and trying to become conscious of who I am and let that let the future comes uh, in a way that I hope brings me more happiness. I'm, I, I guarantee you it will. Let everyone know how they can get in touch with you and follow you, Milton. So, yes. So, one, you could just Google Milton Memphis and my things will come <laughs> up. But, um, so, no, you can do uh, on, on on Instagram, it is The Real Milton Memphis. Uh, on Facebook, it is Milton Memphis Entertainment. Um, also, if those who want to add me on my government Facebook page, uh, it is Milton Howard Third, <laughs> and those that want to follow uh, the Milton Memphis Instagram page, it's Milton Memphis with an E. Wow, Milton, you are indeed verbally effective. Thank you so much for being my guest for episode 95. Uh, that sounds like a special number. <laughs> it is. It is. Now, I'm glad to be. Um, uh, am, I, am I the only one before Thanksgiving? Is there another one? You are. Oh. Wait, are you? Yes. Oh, look at that. Yeah, you're look the Thanksgiving special. <laughs> <laughs> you will uh, be. Uh, yes. All right. Thank you um, for having me, and I am glad to be number 95. And who knows? Hopefully, I'm able to come back and share the details in 2020 on what's happening. On, Definitely. On that event I'm talking about. Definitely. You know, I'm going to hold you to it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>